Hey everyone, welcome to 15 with Randy. It's episode 173, and like last week, we weren't all able to get together. Andy's out of town, I was gone Monday, and we had a pile of guests last week. This week, we're back to just me. So, speaking of last week... It was a special edition of the podcast and a host of guest commentary by my friends and family that seems to have resonated with turning out to be one of our most listened to episode within its first seven days. So thank you all for listening and sharing. Jeff had a great message on a text we love to misuse. I can do all things. And we were reminded that peace is ours, whether we have a little or a lot, because we have our creator God constantly making us whole. Oh, and if you missed it, we also revealed the secret to happiness, so you absolutely don't want to miss out and find out what that is and share with a friend so they'll know the secret too. On to this week. Another text we love to misuse, plans to prosper, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. It's taken from the New International Version. Each week, it's been interesting as we see the next text we love to misuse and try to figure out what angle the message is going to take and how we may find ourselves looking at the words of God differently afterwards. Contextually, I've seen this verse used a lot like a love letter from God, if you will, a severely overdone heaven mark card to the do-gooders, the law keepers, the deservers. Of course I have a plan for you, you super awesome Christian. You're working so hard and it just makes me love you all the more. And to prove it, I declare my love and response in the form of a plan for a life of prosperity and hope, guarding you from all manner of things you may find distasteful. <laughs> Not so much. The prosperity gospel has laid claim to this verse in more sermons, Bible studies, and spiritual pep talks than we can count. Maybe the prayer of Jabez comes to mind as its distant cousin and maybe direct lineage in the family of misused text, but the prosperity gospel really finds a home here just because, I mean, the word prosper is in it, of course, but the to not harm you and plans to give you hope in a future, and we immediately turn hope and things of the future, we put those together and we immediately think of grand things, of grand plans, our plans, things we would like to see, things we think of as hope and what we would want for our future. And I'm so glad that that isn't the case. I resonated with Andy's portrayal of Jesus as a realist, and it may have been the most important realization that we can take away from this message. Jesus never minced words or played games with what he wanted us to know and to understand, and we should always take him at his word. The things we'd like and the things we'd rather run through another interpretation or expert point of view that might more closely align with our conscience and our comfort. In the context of the surrounding verses and the realization that God's timing and God's purpose for us may not be what we would choose unless, here's the big one, unless we could see the beginning from the end, the greater good, the path that brings glory to God, the life well lived, and the future in eternity as the reward, that changes everything. And I really like the way that Andy brought that out, portraying Jesus as someone who's always been straightforward to us and with us about what he thinks, what he wants, what the kingdom of God is like, so that there's no way that if we're really truly searching that we could get it wrong. 
The sobering realization then arrives, though, that God's timing and purpose both require patience. A collective groan can be heard from the depths of my soul and maybe yours, too. It's not something many of us could put on our resume and claim with confidence in a straight face during a job interview. I know I couldn't. When things are seemingly going our way, or at least we don't seem to be swimming upstream, this all seems a bit easier. And maybe we're taking this misusing thing a bit too far, but Andy used one of my favorite stories in the Bible, the story of Joseph, as a way to see how things could look different when we try to reconcile adversity in our life with the loving providence of God. And I know this is where we get hung up a lot when we just don't understand what God is trying to do and how all the different pieces and all the parts of the players that are in our lives or maybe don't even touch our lives, but it's all part of that puzzle. And we just don't see why this could possibly be good for us. Joseph seems to be the perfect character, though, for us to see ourselves in this struggle. As Christians, I think we can all resonate with the privilege that we can sometimes feel and gloat over on others when our walk is young and new, much like a young Joseph in how his brothers viewed him and thought about him and that kind of smug attitude he had that, you know, you were father's favorite and the coat of many colors, all that stuff, which all led to him being sold as a slave. But on that note, we can also likely feel Joseph's pain as his life takes many deep, dark turns that his intentions probably at the basics, and his actions didn't necessarily warrant what he received. And then for the length of time, that just seems just seems completely unfair. But do we take the same side-by-side -side journey with his forgiveness story? Sure, life was better at that point. He was a powerful man that received respect, admiration. He was no longer a slave in a foreign land, but would he be a slave to the past, a slave to vengeance, to right the wrongs that were done to him? And it's hard to argue. I mean, being sold into slavery, Potiphar's wife accusing him of misdeeds. I mean, there's a lot of ways that he could have done things differently and not the right way. And to me, that's the part of his story that is so redeeming because if I put myself in that same position, I'm pretty sure I don't come out looking nearly as good as Joseph did. And that's just something you have to think about. And I think that story, when you compare it and just think of yourself, good ways to stop and take a little, at least for me, to take a little personal inventory. I mean, I don't think it was easy for Joseph to do what he did. But I think it gives us a unique perspective on the ebbs and flows of our lives, the length at which we may spend looking at our lives when things don't look like a plan as much as simply, gosh, I'm doing nothing more than simply surviving because we don't see that long-term plan. But the rewards of God's plan in Joseph's story were unmatched when you think about what the rewards were at the end of his life, being reunited with his younger brother and his most importantly, his father. And then the forgiveness that he was able to give to his brothers who had done him so wrong and to bring his family to him out of a place where there was no food and this horrible famine and to into his house and into his riches. It's the person that he became in this land. And it all came about because of these deeds. And I think it's a good reminder that ours, too, will be a future beyond measure and beyond our wildest imaginations, because I think we can only partially fathom what eternity and what heaven will be like. So I just wanted to say thank you to Andy. I know he's out of town. Hope he's listening. 
that for this message and for the entire staff that have brought us yet another thought-provoking message series to sink our mental and spiritual teeth into, I am absolutely enjoying this series. So I just really, really enjoyed the parallels that Andy brought out with, again, Jesus being a realist and the story of Joseph that just kind of brought this all together for me. So if you haven't seen the message, I would encourage you to watch it and to listen to it just to get an idea of how it all came together, because I thought that he did a great job of just bringing those points out into kind of giving us a glimpse into and a reminder of a story a lot of us know, but it's a good reminder and one that I think we can parallel very easily and helps bring out this point of what is to come is never easily seen in the life that we're living in currently, but the rewards are down the road and we just have to be patient. Ah, patience. I hate it. No good at it. All right. This week, one of our FHC takeaways asked, how can this word from God, even in context, still encourage you when you seem to be stuck in hard times? And for me, the goal here at the podcast is always to provide hope in the things that we as Christians learn, that we live and that we love, but often forget or, of course, we misuse. That considering these things of conviction and faith in a different light might shed a new perspective on God and in turn shine a new light into our own periods of darkness, helping us through, giving us something to help each other. If there's something that we can figure out and we can see somebody else that's struggling, to help each other along the path, taking care of our community. So... This week, if you're finding yourself stuck in hard times, please reach out with a prayer request or a prayer for someone in our faith community, someone that you know, friends, neighbors, family. Please send your prayer or prayer request via voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or email podcast at hospitalchurch.org. There are a handful of people that I know personally that we can ask to pray over your requests or over you for that matter. And if you have a prayer that you'd like to send out to someone, I'd be happy to read it on next week's podcast. So 407-965-1607 or podcast at hospitalchurch.org. And of course, if you want to remain anonymous, use the text message feature or the voicemail. I probably won't recognize your voice and that number does not have a phone book attached to it or a contact list, if you will. So I will have no idea who it is. So just use that if you'd like to remain anonymous. All right. Our final thoughts are from Andy's message, and it puts an exclamation point on what we just considered in this week's FHC takeaway. He said, and whether it is tomorrow or 70 years away, God has in his amazing providence a plan to give you and me a hope and a future of being transformed, not by our might or our power, not by gritting our teeth or enduring hardship with grace, but simply as a gift. A day will come when his plans for us are accomplished and our future is eternity because he makes it so. A day will come. Nothing has sounded better to me in a long, long time. All right. What text are we misusing this week? 
It appears that we are postponing the misuse of our next text, where two or three gather from Matthew 18.20, until October the 5th. This week, we'll instead be focusing on a communion service, and I'm working on some ideas for something different for the podcast next week, so stay tuned. I already have confirmed one yes for someone who's willing to help me out with something, and if we have one more... And we'll be ready to go. So that is going to do it for this week. As always, do join us again next Wednesday for episode 174. Thanks for listening and have a great week.